what a week uh, for the Guardians. Does it mean or does it just feel like nothing is going right, at least offensively? We're going to talk about today's latest performance. We're going to talk about September call-ups, roster moves, and the massive reinforcement that is coming thanks to the addition of Ernie Clement on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The only upside to today is the fact the Twins didn't play. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians. For this, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24-7. Um, before that, I wrote for Indians Baseball slash Indians Prospect Insider. And now I have been at almost 800 episodes for Lockdown. That is kind of crazy when I sit back and think about 800 episodes. Ugh, today's game. How about the fact that Bieber, okay, pitcher wins, flawed stat. The fact he's only 8-8 eight and eight isn't say so much about Bieber, or the fact that Tristan McKenzie is 9-11. and 11. Those two guys having an ERA, or an ERA, a win-loss record that is not over 500, and my co-host has the same anger I have, uh, that just says a ton about the offense, which, my goodness, Shut out two games in a row. And I know someone's like, hey, Baltimore's been better in the second half. Well, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that. And, the, you know, again, they have some interesting pitching, but nobody they have is better than Shane Bieber or Tristan McKenzie. Let's just be honest there. Let's, let's not, you know, beat around the bush. Let's not uh, try to put a, a different color on this. Nobody that is pitching on the Baltimore Orioles is better than the two guys they just beat. Uh, debating. I think probably the worst set of plays in this game. Let me make sure I get the right inning here. Uh, was it the seventh inning? The walk, walk, and then Ahmed Rosario. So, and that's the thing. As much as everyone wants to bang the drum on Miles Straw, Straw was better than a lot of guys in the lineup today. Straw walks, Quan walks. The pitcher, Bradish, has had a history of control issues. And Rosario just starts swinging. Eventually, he swings his way to a strikeout. And Jose flies out. This was just a bad game all around. Um, There's not much. And here's the other annoyance, okay? How many times have we talked about how inefficient this lineup is? And, And I don't have an issue. Again, Owen Miller, it's fine. I'm not upset about Owen Miller when you're facing a righty because that's what he should face. Owen Miller is not worth getting mad about. What is worth getting mad about is Jimenez. Since May 1st, his runs created plus is just three. Like, it's a 149 for Jose to a 146 for him. He has been Jose's equal since May 1st. And if you say, you know, July and August, he's been the better hitter. There's no way in the world he should be batting sixth in your lineup. No way. You have two elite hitters right now, and you're batting one-sixth? Explain the logic outside of, whoa, balance. Balance doesn't matter if you're playing guys who can't hit the ball ahead of him. Then you're just balancing outs before you let your best hitters come up. 
Jimenez should be hitting no worse than fourth, and one could make a solid case that Jimenez and Jose should be two and three. You have a clear top three hitters on this team. And Quan, Jimenez, and Jose Ramirez. Those should be your first three hitters. They should be getting the most at-bats. They should be, you know, working in concert. And today's game is a great example. They don't get anything in this game. They have four walks and two hits. Six base runners. You know, four of those base runners are Jimenez and Jose. who have two guys between them. Maybe they're able to get a run in this game if your two best hitters are actually connected in the lineup instead of having two outs between them. It hasn't made sense all year. But then again, it took, what, three months to let Jimenez even play against lefties? The reluctance to accept that he is a star in the making is mind-boggling to me. And the fact that he continually plays near the bottom of the lineup. Sixth, you're like, that's not, seven, eight, nine's the bottom. Six is closer to the bottom than the top. Your best hitter since mid-May, and a guy who's basically been tied for best hitter since May 1st, is batting sixth. Makes no sense at all on any level. That's my big rant. That's I'm not going to have too much else rant-wise outside of just the offense being terrible. And that's what we talked about. Like, Ahmed, he's up, he's down. He had that stretch in the middle where he was good. We'll see. Or is he going to end up being what he's always been, which is a league average bat with below average defense? Back in July, when I was kind of like, okay, maybe I'm wrong on him, the defensive ratings have slipped, and now we're seeing a bat slippage. We'll see if he can write it, but part of his profile has always been when you are an extreme contact hitter, you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. And that's what kind of protects someone like Stephen Kwan, is he at least has a decent walk rate. But when you don't have that, it's going to be all over the place. And Rosario is a good hitter. That's why he can be a major league talent in spite of the ups and downs. If you want to see someone who isn't a good hitter with that profile, it was Oscar Mercado. And you can go back to when I started this podcast where I talked about I had my concerns about that type of hitter profile. It's the same reason I was never high on Mejia compared to the crowd. And the same reason I've always been a little bit lower on Ty Freeman. I don't like the hit-only profile. For someone that people are out there saying needs an extension, well, then he's got to complete a full season. We have to see what's going to happen. Or again, like I said, when you talk about Ahmed right now, if we're sitting back and looking at just his data on the year, I doubt it's been updated for today's game. It would be a little bit lower, but you know he's got a, a 104 runs created plus right now. A 104. You know what he had last year? A 99. For his career, it's a 95. He was worth 2.3 war a year ago. This year he's worth two. In about 19 less games than a year ago. He's essentially going to be the same player he's been. The same player he's always been. The same player that he is. League average bat, below average defense. You can't give that an extension. And you can't have your best hitter at six. You... I, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, part of the job of a major league uh, baseball manager is to make adjustments. Where's the adjustments in this lineup outside of moving Quan to one? Where are they? I mean, Rosario's been at two since the year began. Even when Rosario was awful at the start of the year, he was two. Jose, three. 
since he's been healthy. Naylor is four. Oscar Gonzalez has sat at five. There's no adjustments. This is the same lineup. <laughs> and he gets more data, and there's still no adjustments. Jimenez hitting sixth is a crime. Yeah, I'm super annoyed at how this game played out today. And you can hear it in my voice. I'm super annoyed at this last week of following this team. And then I'm even more annoyed that your offense is scuffling. And again, it's a week. So this is like terrible data to even look at. But in the last week, Jose Ramirez has a runs created plus of 215. Austin Hedges a 165. Owen Miller a 96. Steven Kwan a 90. Rosario a 58. Palacios a 56. Maley a 40. Jimenez a 29. Naylor a 14. Oscar Gonzalez a 14. Oscar Gonzalez and Josh Naylor are darn near identical. Same number of games, same number of plate appearances, same number of home runs, the exact same walk percentage, um, the exact same weighted on base, five point different in their average, same on base percentage, nine point different in their slugging. They've been the same really ineffective hitter, and that's who you have hitting in front. And again, Jimenez hasn't been great in the last week, but over the course of the year, he has been very good. And... I, I am frustrated. And then, like I said, your team is scuffling, scuffling, scuffling right now. A four-game lead has become a one-game lead. So you go and add Ernie Clement. Ty Freeman's not playing anymore, that's for sure. And, you know, don't go tweet at Ernie Clement. I, I saw people doing that. That's just a terrible thing to do. He didn't promote himself. He should get to enjoy his time in the big leagues. I still think he can be a useful major league player. But he's not going to help this lineup. And he's gonna. he was one of the 10 worst hitters in baseball this year. And we know he's going to play every single game against the lefty and potentially more. He's going to play a lot when you're calling him up. And it's a problem where you look at him. His addition makes this team worse because he's going to be overused. <sighs> Sorry, I know people get mad at the negativity, but... What were you expecting? Rainbows and sunshine when you've gone two and five in your last seven games to lose three of your four games lead you had in the division? Uh, you know, again, if you don't like it, you can let me know. Hit me up in the comments. I always respond. You can hit me up at Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. We're going to take break number one, come back and get into the nitty gritty of a truly terrible game. We'll have fun with it. We'll have fun with it. And we will talk about the Royals in segment three, who may not be quite as bad as you think, unfortunately. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. Truth is, your action times slow down when you're high. You're not, you not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If, if you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get A-D-U-I. Okay, so. Cleveland manages, like I said, they had six base runners in this. The only players to reach base twice, Jimenez and Jose. They each had a hit and a walk. Uh, you then also had a walk to Stephen Kwan and a walk to Miles Straw. And that, that's, that's your total base runners in this one. Six opportunities, though, should typically lead to about two runs. No extra base hits. You could see, okay, it still should maybe get you to one run. No, again, no timely hitting. Even when they had like a hit and a walk, and there were two innings where they had two base runners on, or two base runners reached that inning because there was the double play. Um, There's just nothing to show for it. On the other side of things, 
in very reminiscent of last week's or last week's Sunday's game, three solo shots. And here, Bieber has always been prone to the long ball. He also struck out 11, which felt like, like is that his best strikeout total this year? Uh, seven innings, six hits, one walk. So you're looking at one base runner in an inning. That's that's solid. Three earned runs, 11 strikeouts, three home runs. And Yelde Los Santos. And then Brian Shaw. Just keep getting those innings, buddy. Keep getting those. He, he didn't pitch bad. But Shaw has now made, uh, let's see, how many appearances has he this season? He is at uh, 40, 46 appearances. Four more gets another 250K. Must be nice, right? I wish I got 250k for being mediocre at my job. Um, I am bitter. I am just sorry. Deep breath. Other side of things. Seven hits, and I forgot. Baltimore also had two errors, so Cleveland actually had eight opportunities in this game, and nothing to show for it. The other side of things, they had seven hits and one walk. So they also had eight opportunities, but they got three runs. Now, in fairness, it was three home runs. At the same time, the, each of these two teams had the same number of opportunities. Shane Bieber has a 3.06 ERA. Kyle Bradish has a 5.17 ERA. And again, you know, I've had people tell me their, their pitching has been better in the second half. So let's just talk about it. Let's talk about since... Uh, Since basically, we'll say July 10th to now. Let's close and submit. We'll, we'll see what Baltimore's team ERA is. I mean, Sino Perez and Felix Batista absolutely dominated Cleveland. Just talk about FIP in that time. So during that time, Baltimore's FIP is I cannot see, the 12th worst in baseball. Sorry, 12th worst in baseball. Between uh, Boston, or I'm sorry, Detroit and Minnesota. Minnesota's been as as good as them as a pitching staff when we talked about the Minnesota injuries. Cleveland, ninth best. So, yeah, I'm not saying that Baltimore is a dumpster fire, but Cleveland had the better pitchers on the mound, and I don't think that's up for debate. Cleveland's offense made these Baltimore pitchers look like Hall of Famers, and they've been fine... They have not been this good. So, it's again, it's not necessarily to insult Baltimore. It's to say that, like, yeah, they've been better. They're still not good, statistically. And Cleveland made them look dynamic. Uh, three stars. Bieber, Jimenez, Jose. I mean, I think that's pretty straightforward and simple in this one. It's... Like I said, luckily the Twins didn't play. Cleveland remains as a one-game lead. Twins now have the White Sox, who might play better because they sent Tony Larusa home. He's probably Tony Larusa home. He's probably not going to manage maybe the rest of the year. I mean, they were talking about him in the past tense when players were there. Uh, Cleveland's got Kansas. They have Seattle and then Kansas City. Yeah, they have Seattle then Kansas City. I was talking about Kansas City earlier. It's first Seattle then Kansas City. Which I think I was just kind of hoping it was Kansas City after everything else that was going on. But no, it's it's Seattle first. And it's hard to feel good after what we saw last time. Especially because, again, yeah, 
you'll get what Quantrell in this series, but you know you're getting their their lesser starters for the Guardians. This is not exactly a situation where you're getting your best starters going in there uh, to face a very good team. So instead, it's Pisac versus Luis Castilla. I mean, that's that's going to be a thumbs down for me. Savale versus Robbie Ray. Ray hasn't been great this year, but he just dominated the Guardians. That's going to be a thumbs-down pitching matchup. Quantrill versus George Kirby. That should be the advantage. Then again, you know, I said on paper, the Guardians should sweep Baltimore. I'm not doing well. Let's be honest. If I'm going to pat myself on the back, this is the time where I eat dirt. I mean, the Guardians are what? Uh, I said 2-5 and five in their last seven. I'm 1-6. I mean, maybe this is the best thing I can do is just say, no, pick Seattle for all three of these right now. Then comes Kansas City off day a week from today when I'm recording Thursday. And that's the Twins. I mean, this, this division is going to be a lot clearer in you know, a week and a half. Now, that's kind of a silly thing to say because, of course, all these divisions get clearer as we get much closer to the end of the season. But yeah, it's, you know, can they take care of business? Can they take care of Seattle before going on the road for Kansas City, a team that we won't get into a day, but Kansas City is playing a lot better in the second half since they started going to their young players. If you talk about something like um, their pitching hasn't been great all year, let's just be honest about that, even when you talk about like the shortened sample size, but the, that's a team with a better offense. Um I'm just not feeling super duper comfortable with this Cleveland Guardians team right now. And again, it's I kind of does anyone else feel like me where like you kinda of miss the old days where the the maybe not necessarily we need forty players up uh at the end of the year, but like wouldn't thirty, thirty one, thirty two be nice? So you could get that third catcher, you could get the utility infielder, but they can maybe call up a batter too that could help or contribute. Cause Ernie Clement isn't the answer. Let's let's just be honest there. Cody Morris is going to be useful in the bullpen, but the bullpen is like they gave up, what, one run since mid-May? Zach Meisel wrote a great piece on that. So, of course, the minute he wrote and promoted that piece, the Guardians bullpen gave up a run. That's the way life works. But, yeah, the bullpen has been... Cody Morris is a great addition for the bullpen. The bullpen is the one thing that you really don't need to worry about right now (laughs) in Guardians. Um... Yeah, I mean, offensively, they need to they need to do something, and it's again, the lineup is just it doesn't make sense. I, I don't care who you are, and there's been people like you already talked about. It. You're bringing it up again because that always happens. There's no logical way you can explain to me why Jimenez should hit six. There isn't. There's no logic at all to that. I'm gonna take our next break. Come back. Let's talk about some minor league performances. Let's try to get a little uplifting on today's Locked On Guardians. Tanner Bybee, <laughs> like, let's let's get happy. Come on, let's get happy. Uh, six shutout innings last night. His ERA in his 10 AA starts, 1.29. That's right, 1.29. You're like, okay, well, it's only 10. He has 22 total starts this year, 114 and two-thirds innings, 143 strikeouts, 1.96 ERA. Say that again. 114 innings, a 1.96 ERA. And he's gained about six to seven miles an hour on his fastball. If you want to make a case that Tanner Bybee is the most interesting arm in system, you can make that case. If you want to tell me that he is going to be the best pitcher in their minor league system, I could buy that. Because both Gavin Williams and Espino have injury histories. Right? He's a clean prospect. 
who is dominating. Now, at the same time, let's be fair, he only has the second-best pitcher ERA in the minors because Gavin Williams is at a 1.8. By the way, before that game, uh, Bybee was at a 2.07, so six shutout innings brought him down to a 1.96. Talked about the Will Dion promotion, 2.26. Jack Lefwich, that ERA has crept up a little, still 2.78. Uh, of course, you have to qualify. Dot, Will Dion leads the Myers in strikeouts. Number two, Logan Allen. Number three, Tanner Bybee. Number four, Gavin Williams. Number five, Hunter Gaddis. Some interesting players. <laughs> I'm not going to get into saves. Talked about the, the Mason Hickman of it all recently. Batting average against Gavin Williams, 163. Jack Leftwich, 197. Will Dion, Dion, Dion 207. Tied to 215, Bybee and Gaddis. Like, this is something you need to look at and consider that the triumvir- it is a triumvirate of arms. And we are talking, again, about the tiered tier systems of this minor leagues. Tier one, I've said for a while, is Rocchio, Williams, Espino. I think tier one is those three and Bybee. I, I honestly believe that. I think, you know, your second tier is Naylor and Valera. And then your next tier has about 15 names we can discuss. But it's the those top two guys, or top four guys as it is now, uh, I think he has put himself in that. It, it's just in, the, in all three pitches, flash plus. He is so good right now. It is, if you are really digging in, it's impossible to miss. So, let's continue and talk some offense as well. It's, pitching is fun, and that top three, hard to beat. And then it's also nice, right, that Hunter Gaddis keeps appearing. And I've talked about him, that I think if he is not at least a back-end starter, he's going to make one heck of a reliever for this organization. Uh, now, leading a lot of these lists, Will Benson. Uh, Will Brennan does lead the team in batting average, lead the minors in batting average at 309. Next closest, Angel Martinez at 289. By the way, Will Benson, fourth in batting average. Uh, home run, Benson is fifth. Remember, he's been up for almost a month now, right? Uh, you have some, some of the usual suspects we've talked about all year there. Let's talk on base percentage. One Benson, two Bo Naylor, three Isaiah Green. He is you know, someone to start paying attention to more and more than another one of those pieces from that Lindor deal. Slugging percentage, uh, Jonathan Rodriguez with his promotion has now slipped behind Will Benson. OPS goes Benson, Naylor, Angel Martinez is three. Like, he's one of those guys, too, that if you want to make a case that he should be up and considered part of that second tier, I'm not going to make a big, long fight with you. I'm not. Um, with just what he continues to do, I he is he's a top ten. We have to figure out where. You know, you kind of, like I said, you have kind of your initial six, and then the next group is really where we can dig in, but he is somewhere in that 7 to 10 range. And then just continuing on, you know, hits, Brennan, Jose Tenya is at 2, by the way, Rokio 3. We haven't said his name a lot, he's definitely got Tenya who's kind of slipped, but uh, it's good to see Brennan leads it in doubles. By the way, Micah Pyers, 3rd in doubles, 5th in home runs. That's the stuff you want to see. That is a good combination. Petey Halpin appears on that list. P.D. Halpin's also on the hit list. P.D. Halpin's also on the triples list. Isaiah Green, eight triples, leads the team. He also leads the minors in 
He has 90 walks. Will Benson, 75, was second. Bo Naylor also has 75. Like, he is just outpacing everyone else. Now, he's been a low batting average, high walks guy, but there are some really nice tools. And he also leads the minors in stolen bases. He has eight less than the number two and number three players combined. Uh, he's at 36. We're talking 44 for the other two. Yeah, he's he's been really good. Uh, he's walking... And then he is stealing a lot of bases, and he's a really strong athlete. And honestly, like I've talked about, like who the top 25 ish are, if I really sit down and we go through those names. But I think, you know, going through those names in that 26 to 30, Isaiah Green was going to slot in there somewhere for me uh, as well. It's just the, the walks, the speed, the tools. He's gotten better and better as the year's gone on with contact. That's going to be his question. Can he make enough contact? Uh, it's just, by the way, Micah Pyre is also second in triples. So he's top top five in home runs, doubles, and triples. And he's a first baseman right now. So he's, you know, they're not going to protect him. He's Rule 5 eligible. If a team drafted him thinking maybe he could be Mark Kaneha, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and Mark Kaneha is probably the best possible outcome. We had the thing where I talked about what Justin Lotta reported about how like he actually comes from a very rich baseball bloodline as well. So yeah, there's some interesting guys. You know, we know the big names. We know the Rokios. We know the Espinos. We know the Gavin Williams. But you know, for many of us, I mean, I was, Tanner Bybee has been a revelation this year. Isaiah Green's continued performance is revelatory as well. I think it is, you know, if you're looking, I know George Valera's name, you're like, well, you didn't really mention him. How is he doing? Well, he's still 8th in slugging, 4th in OPS, uh, total bases. He's 4th in the system. He's just kind of just a little outside. Like, Micah Pyers is 3rd in total bases. Noel, 2. Will Brennan is 1. So, you know, it, Joe Naranjo, who had the hot start, and Milan Tolentino, a lot of these guys got promoted, and it's hard to make those moves up level. But just looking at statistical performances, it's very easy to kind of bucket these guys, right? Like, okay, so who are the guys who have really performed this year? And who aren't already, you know, in the big leagues. And that's where you put, like, Angel Martinez. You're going to put uh, George Valera. You're going to put that kind of Rocchio. Like, those are the guys who have kind of are the high-end prospects who also have been the high-end performers. Next bucket, the high-end performers who maybe we weren't really paying attention to. And that's where you're going to put the, the, you know, the Pyers. That's where you're going to put maybe Isaiah Green, who was, again, not a top-20 guy anywhere. The other, the first bucket was... And you go to your third bucket, and it's the guys who, solid performances, interesting guys, the guys like the P.D. Halpins, Jonathan Rodriguez. Now, I'm not saying that Halpin and Rodriguez are anywhere near each other in ranks. They're not. Halpin's in that top 25 area, and Rodriguez isn't ranked in the top 30. But just the bucket approach, I think, works better when you're looking at these minor league players. In that first bucket, I don't think I mentioned Bo Naylor. He's there. Second bucket, that's Will Brennan. We didn't expect Will Brennan to quite do that this year. And that's what I think is fun about this minor league system is there is a lot of high-level performers. There's a lot of players to figure out. And what I talked about yesterday's show is we got to figure out Brennan, but we also need to figure out Benson. And we need to figure out Jones. And we need to figure out... I mean, Gabriel Arias, Arias has played really well in the last month and a half if you're not paying attention. like he, I would have much rather seen him be the call-up. He's also right-handed. He's a better defender than Ernie Clement. He can't be a worse hitter. Uh, if I were to just pull up uh, 
oh, this is team stats. So if I were to come back to just Cleveland stats this year, now I'm sure when I look at it now, when Arias was up here, it was actually, you know, really poor. So there's a chance that statistically he has the lower runs created plus than Ernie Clement because Arias is, was limited. So he might actually, Arias, ugh. GA had a negative 31. Now that was all 20 plate appearances. And the other side of things, Ernie Clement had a 44. 158 plate appearances. Worth negative 0.5 war. Uh, GA was a negative 0.3 war. Like, and you gotta see what you have in these kids. We know what Clement is. Call up GA. Call up someone. Do something. This offense needs a kick in the pants. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians podcast for this week. Sorry we are so glum. It's been a glum week if you're a Guardians fan. Listen, let's just take a second. Deep breath. Remember Cody Morris is probably going to appear this weekend, and that's going to be pretty awesome. Cody Morris was my... I believe he was my number one pitching prospect in this organization at the end of last year. Cody Morris doesn't get hurt. He's probably already in this rotation. Instead, we get a guy with two-plus pitches who just strikes guys out at a very high rate, getting added to the group that is Class A. Stefan, 99, Sandlin, and Niel. He's really good. This bullpen was already really good. This This bullpen is death. Now, instead of our flag means death, this bullpen is death. So let's focus in on that. Hope the Guardians can just generate any offense. The pitching can hold up to get to the bullpen. And Cleveland takes two out of three this weekend. While the White Sox, without Tony La Russa, sweep the Twins because they finally have a reason to feel happy. I've been Jeff Ellis, Locked on Guardians Podcast. Remember to rate and review it download daily. It helps subscribe on the YouTubes. We're getting closer and closer to 600 um, subscribers. We need to get to 1,000. We're at 589. People keep saying the Guardians. Come on. Let's get to 600 this weekend. Um, thank you all for listening, all you do, dealing with my occasional grumpiness. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.